Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Chase McCallum. Today, we have a lot of Canadian content to break down. It is absolutely chaos in, I would say, five, four markets for sure in Canada right now, with just some mediocrity maybe in two, and uh, general excitement in, in the last one. So uh, we're going to talk all things Canadian teams. Uh, we will definitely be focusing on the bigger stories of the bad, uh, but we should probably also touch on the good that is the Vancouver Canucks of all teams uh, so far as well. So let's dive right into it. Um, I guess let's start with the ballot. Let's let's just get the, uh, the bad out of the way and we'll, we'll start out East, you know, where we are. Um, the only team that I don't really have plans to talk about, I mean, Winnipeg's just kind of doing their thing, 6-4-2. The Montreal Canadiens are exactly where you kind of think they'd be. They're 5-5-2 five, five, and two with a minus-8 goal differential. They are on an L4 now. They started the season pretty hot. They're 5-1-2 and two to start. Or, sorry, maybe they were 5-2-1 and one or something. But um, they got pumped by Tampa last night. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, they lost to Tampa, I don't know, 5-3. It was 4 nothing after one period. Um there's not a ton to say, to be honest, about the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, they got a little bit, they got kind of hot goaltending, but I think they're mostly just who we basically said they were going to be going into the year. Like, they're not a good team, but they're not like a joke of an out either. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would assume they're probably going to finish with 31, 32 wins, 40 losses, and seven or eight loser points or whatever. For yeah. their 74 points. Like, yeah, I think that makes sense. Like, just, you know, not a disaster. They're going to be top of the lottery odds, but they are a lottery team still, very clearly. Like, as much as it's been a hotter than expected start, the fact that they're break even with the goaltending run they had, like, yeah, they just, I think they mostly just are who we thought they were. Yep, exactly. Um, you want to talk about a disaster, though. I'll give you a disaster. The Ottawa Senators are currently dead last in the entire Eastern Conference at 4-6-0. That is eight points. They've only played 10 games, which is the least amount in the Eastern Conference. A win tonight against Toronto, ironically, would put them to 5-6 and six and tie them with Pittsburgh of all teams, and they would only be one point behind the Capitals, Blue Jackets, Flyers, and two points behind the Canadians. But... They are still dead last again in the Eastern Conference into November. They are on an L2 right now with one win in the middle of that and then three losses before. So four or one out of their last five. And the only team they beat was the previously mentioned Pittsburgh Penguins. We talked about this team last week with the Shane Pinto situation. And oh my God, it did not get better this week. No, no, it really didn't. I forgot that was this week. Wow. Yep. It was literally yeah. six, seven days ago. Um, we'll break this all down. If you want to hear me get really heated, you can go find my podcast that I recorded last night at Last Word on Sen's podcast, wherever you're listening to this. I didn't even bother getting a guest. I recorded for 25 minutes, and for 15 <laughs> of them, I was screaming in the mic. So That's pretty impressive. Yes, if you want to go hear me borderline lose my voice at points last night because I am just yelling about this team, go listen to that wherever you find this. This, I'm hoping to have a little bit more of a relaxed conversation. Uh, it definitely still makes me angry just thinking about it. So let's start from the beginning of last week. 
Obviously, Shane Pinto situation happens. The Ottawa Senators are already kind of in a bad place. You know, they're reeling. Thomas Shabbat's out four to six weeks with a broken hand. Artem Zub's been out because he took a puck to the head. Uh, Branstrom's out with a concussion after hitting his head on the ice. Ridley Gregg has now announced that he's out for multiple weeks. Uh, Mark Kastelik is out. That's not as big of a deal, but just a, another NHL body uh, on the team. And then the news comes down. The Ottawa Senators are going to be punished for their role in the Evgeny Dadanov trade slash non-trade situation. And this had been a rumor for a little bit. We had heard rumblings of this a couple weeks ago, even. Um, I never really believed that a first round pick was going to be on the table, but the NHL comes out on, I don't know, I think it was last Wednesday, maybe, and say says... The Ottawa Senators will be forfeiting their first round pick in either 2024, 2025, or 2026 for their involvement in this role. And quickly before we get into this, because I think there is a ton to break down, Chase, but I'll just kind of quickly recap for everyone listening what actually happened here. Because it's a long process. So over two years ago now, in the 2020, literally, like, because everyone, I've heard a couple podcasts talk about this, and one of the common mistakes is people go, oh, this was an issue when Ottawa tried trading Dadanov. No, 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 no. The issue came a year after that. The Ottawa Senators trade Dadanov in, I believe, the 2021 offseason. They signed Dadanov in the bubble year, the off the offseason before that COVID year, to a three-year, $5 million per contract. He doesn't play great. He doesn't play awful. doesn't really live up to expectation. So they trade him move him to Vegas for a third round pick and Nick Holden. No one really blinks an eye. Ottawa fans are like, okay, we got a third for that. That's that's good. We didn't really think we we're going to get positive assets. That's fine. The Vegan, Vegas Golden Knights then in 2022 play with him. If you remember that season correctly, they have a bit of a disaster season. You know, Robin Leonard's hurt. They don't really have a goaltender. They end up missing the playoffs. However, before they did that, they tried to trade away Evgeny Dadanov to the Anaheim Ducks because with all their injuries, they desperately needed cap space. So the trade was in place and went through of Evgeny Dadanov heading to the Anaheim Ducks for, and with a pick, I think, for Ryan Kessler, who was on LTIR, obviously, and someone else on LTIR. They just need the cap space. That was it. Dadanov's agent then goes, no, 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 no. You cannot trade my client to this team. They're on his no trade list. Vegas comes back and says, what no trade list? We specifically asked the Ottawa Senators when this trade went through in the summer, does he have any kind of no trade protection? And their reply was, and this is not confirmed, but it sounds like their reply was either, no, he does not, or he didn't get it in on time. Dadanov's agent sounds like he shows that they they did submit it on time, so he does in fact have no trade protection. So this trade needs to be rescinded. The Vegas Golden Knights cannot trade him. He plays out the year there. It's very awkward. Uh, they missed the, the playoffs with 94 points, so they literally just missed. Uh, the Predators got in with 97 as the last uh, spot, it looks like. So three points, but pretty close, right? That offseason, he's traded to Montreal and then traded to Dallas, I believe, um, and Vegas wins the Cup the next year. So it ends up pretty well for Vegas, but they... Clearly, still not happy about it. It was said that the whole league was disappointed because it made the league look bad, which it does. So the league comes down with a first-round pick as the fine in three years. So let's get into, I guess, this part before we move to the next. What was your reaction hearing this at first, and has it changed at all since? Okay, so when I first heard it, I was like, 
that's fucking crazy. So crazy that I was like, I must be missing something here. I have now had time to think and I did not miss anything. And I just think it's slightly more crazy than I thought it was at the time. Yeah, I I keep going back and forth on this. So like it does but, make the league look bad, but it, it on the does. last podcast we talked about false equivalencies. There's a re- very real equivalency of something that made the league w- look much worse that was only ended in a fine. Yes, and for anyone obviously that's the Kyle Beach scandal, which yeah. it's, maybe there's we'll, another lawsuit coming. Yep, someone one of the black aces came forward this week. And so great job, NHL. You did you did a really good investigation to find out that yet another person is now coming forward that you you know I don't I believe know. he was all there was always another person. I thought there was more more breaking news this week though. Anyways. Yeah, it came out that he's suing. I think there was okay, always okay. person. All right, yeah. My bad. Um yeah, so that's the number one thing that everyone points to is how do you find a team a first round pick when you gave literally the equivalent of a slap on the wrist for the Chicago Blackhawks and then they get to trap Bedard two months later and literally make back all the fines that they got anyways within two hours. And that is a fair point. Uh, I think this highlights just how insanely poorly they handle the entire Chicago situation. However, I do get that this makes it like this is just gross negligence on the part of Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, it was pretty stupid. But like, I don't like a first round pick seems really excessive. Yeah, I and think you would find them. I also kind of thought that, but then you find them a lot of money. Yeah, because it does. It does make money. But. So. I guess what I think is going to end up happening is if you remember the New Jersey Devils got fined a first round pick for the Ilya Kovalchuk contract. Yeah. And they just ended up not making them pay that. Yeah. I think the most likely outcome is that Ottawa delays this punishment for three years. Michael Anlauer, who was not the owner of this team when this and happened, wasn't briefed on it, was not briefed on. That's the other thing we got to get to. Was not That's briefed like on it. Predatory. Yes. Well, you want to talk about yeah having legal discourse from like the trade and stuff. You can have le- like there has to be some kind of legal possibility for Ann Lauer who just did not get briefed on the negotiation or yeah, uh, punishment. Well, during okay. negotiations. Um, but yeah, I, I think that in three years from now, though, I honestly, I, I genuinely think the most likely outcome is probably they delay this till 2026. They get to make the decision uh, within a day after the draft lottery every year. So if Ottawa's season keeps going as badly as it looks right now um, and they win the draft lottery, it's not like they had to choose right now when they give up the first overall pick or anything like that. Um, But I think they leave it for three years. And in 2026, I could absolutely see the league either rescinding it or just being like, we're going to make you pay a third instead of a first or whatever. Yeah, even a second. Like just because of the way the value first round picks skew. Like mm-hmm. first just seems really excessive. Yes. So yeah, I I don't know. I just I I go back and forth where I do think it is just like really, really aggressive, but also this just can't happen. This cannot happen yeah. if you're the Ottawa like Senators. It, it was a pretty it was stunningly stupid. Yes. Now 
they just so unnecessary and like easily avoidable. You yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, if we want to talk about easily avoidable, how is there not an NHL registry for this? Yeah, it's on cap friendly. Literally, all you have to and like maybe I think maybe the part was that tripped people up was that Ottawa was claiming they didn't get it submitted on time. But again, there's an NHL registry you have to go through to make every single trade. How is one of your requirements not you need to prove if they had a no trade clause, you need to prove they put nothing in, especially if they submitted something you're saying is late. You need to prove that that was late. Yeah. Yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. I just, it's absolutely insane. And then, so the result of this is obviously a first round pick potentially law. I mean, right now we'll just call it lost uh, over the next three years for the Ottawa senators, one of the next three years. Um, within an hour of the decision, the Ottawa Senators announced a press conference being held at 3.15. Decision came out in the morning at about 10 or 11. I had a meeting booked at 3, and I've never been so mad to miss an <laughs> Ottawa Senators press conference in my life. This, I we, we want to talk about, we like to talk about betting odds on this podcast a lot. The lock of the century was before anything was even announced was that this was going to be Pierre Dyer. Dorian is being fired from this job. Yeah. And sure enough, I think they framed it as relief, uh, resigning slash relieved from his duty. So it was a firing, but they're letting him save a little face, which fine. I, I yeah. don't care. Yeah, that's that's perfectly reasonable. New owner. <laughs> you could let him save some face if you really want. Yeah, you it does it. It makes him look better, if anything. Like Adam Lauer looked yeah. better. Yeah, you don't have to make it personal. Just exactly. And I want to get into the Pierre Dorian part after, in terms of how he's his, you know, legacy, if you will, and all that stuff. But before I do that, I want to get into the press conference because Michael Adam Lauer comes out and speaks with Steve Steos, who is now the interim GM. He was their president of hockey operations before. Um, Seems like a real like he he came with Ann Lowry. He was with him in Hamilton. Seems like a pretty smart guy. I'm not mad about this at all because because Peter Shirelli is one that was one of the rumored options, and I was praying, dear God, no. Um, so I will take Steve Steos as an interim GM uh, for the remainder of the year. Absolutely. Um, Michael Ann Lauer comes out and does not hold any punches in this press conference. You mentioned you missed it. I'm sure you saw some of the quotes online. This is one of the most forthcoming I have ever seen an owner. I didn't it see rocked. it like much of it, to be honest. It rocked so much from a, just the honesty and the frustration you could clearly tell he had with the league, but even more so. And this is the biggest thing and why this whole situation has sucked. But the biggest bright spot for me personally, as a sense fan is I know brighter days are ahead because the past 10 years, whenever the owner came out to speak for the Ottawa Senators or the GM, you were just waiting because you know something absolutely, quote, tweetably, mind-bogglingly stupid is going to be said. Whether that's Eugene Melnick or whether it was Pierre Dorian who had just no media training, it seemed like. You knew something was going to be said. This was You could not put this on the more opposite side of the scale of like well-spoken, prepared a statement, gave clear, honest answers. And again, was clearly frustrated, but didn't say anything 
wildly out of line or anything like that, right? Yeah, keep your head even though you're pissed off. Yeah, so I'm just going to read a couple quotes here. Uh, one was, Ann Lauer says, the NHL did not advise him on either investigation, the botched Adenov no-trade clause, or the Pinto sports betting accident before he closed on the purchase, even though those were well underway. Uh, he said, maybe they didn't want to disrupt it to make sure the seller got the best price possible. Um, he also said, there was another one. I lost it as well. But uh, it was something basically along the, the lines of, it was very clear two GMs wanted a pound of flesh in this investigation and they got it. Um, He went in on the league, very clear. He was frustrated with the league. There was a wildly misinterpreted quote from Elliot Friedman who, and again, I I like Elliot Friedman. I saw that. Yes. (laughs) This is one of the things I didn't see. I like Elliot Friedman. I don't think he did this on purpose or maybe I don't know if it really matters, but he tweets out Ann Lauer. Why I inherited this is beyond me. This obviously gets a ton of clicks, a ton of likes, all that stuff. Like, oh, stupid because you want the team. Makes like an idiot. Yeah. Literally. And Frank most Cerebe- people don't know this man. So you just see a Sens owner being an idiot. And you're like, we are so bad. Fair enough. Yeah, that that checks out. And Frank Cervelli, here's the full tweet. Sens owner Michael Anlauer says NHL did not advise him on either in, uh, investigation, botched out trade, clause or Pinto. Uh, maybe they didn't want to disrupt it, make sure the seller got the best price. This happened so long ago. Why I'm inheriting this is beyond me. Is basically what the quote was. He and it's fair. He said literally the next line out of his mouth was, "This happened over 500 days ago. Why this took so long to settle? I'm not sure." Yep. So and and he, like and just to give you a, a recap of the timeline here, July 28th, 2021, Dadnoff's traded to Vegas from Ottawa. Vegas doesn't talk to Dadnoff for 236 days about this whole thing right march 21st 2022 nhl voiced vegas anaheim trade because you know of the no trade clubs 590 days pass dadnov traded from vegas to montreal montreal to dallas vegas wins the cup in between that time november 23rd nhl determines it's ottawa's fault and they'll force forfeit a first round pick almost 600 days in between this I get you got to do your due diligence, but come on. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure there are legal things that go on that it's more difficult than I assume off the top of my head it is. But, like, I also am pretty confident it's not that difficult. It seems pretty clear that this probably could have been announced while the team was up for sale, and they probably withheld this or purposely extended the investigation so that they could announce it later. Yeah, I, I, I'm i fairly skeptical of the idea that this was an accident. Yeah. Um, best we, I think I've seen wrapping this one up as well is about the press conference too, is Jeff Felliet uh, tweets, if what Ann Lauer is saying about the NHL not informing him on the Dadnov investigation is true, it basically means that the league withheld information in order to further a transaction about an investigation involving withholding information in order to further a transaction. That's Yeah. Yeah, that's that, true. That is the perfect way to put it. Well done, NHL. Continue to be this Mickey Mouse League is all I can say. Um. Let's get on to the Pierre Dorian side of it. Unless you have more on the NHL. Or, no, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Again, I get if you want to say Ottawa 
needed to be punished for their role in this. I'm fine with that. I understand it. Hell, even if you want to say it's a first, that seems a little aggressive, but whatever. But again, the, the fact that you didn't bother telling the new owner of the team just seems absurd. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So let's get on the Pierre Dorian side of this now. So Pierre Dorian loses his job. I really think this was probably coming anyways. Um, I yeah, He was on the hot seat to begin with. Yes, like I had just recorded a podcast a week earlier on my sends one and the my guest and I were kind of just talking about like it doesn't make sense right now because like why would you leave it 10 games in or whatever? And then this comes down. It's like, well, yeah, that completely changes it. If you were already on the bottom, the reason we said it didn't make sense was because it's like as long as he's not trading away assets at this second, does it really matter if you fire him right now, you know, like give him a couple more months, see if the team turns around or whatever. And if by the trade yeah. deadline, it's still not going well, then you can him. Well, this yeah. definitely and turns you're around. all in. Like he wasn't the only one in the organization in on these moves, presumably like 10 no. games shouldn't sway you from. Exactly. And, like, and this is the thing I do want to get to is that when it comes to his quote unquote legacy, I do think as much of a memeable person as he was, there are still potentials to be very good, long-lasting decisions here. Yep. Oh, he definitely wasn't all misses. He reminds me. I don't know if this has ever been brought up before, but you know who he reminds me a little bit of? Who? Fitting we're on the All-Canon episode. Bergevin. Like, mm-hmm. Dorman yep. hit some absolute home runs, and he also just did, like, needlessly stupid stuff, it felt like. And it just made him very confusing. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, Matt Bostews, who was on my podcast last week, and he put it as uh, for baseball fans out there. He was like the Giancarlo Stanton of the NHL GMs, where massive dude who either smokes a home run 462 feet or strikes out swinging, and it looks horrible. And that is yeah. exactly what Pierre Dorian's moves felt like. You can cite the draft record of the team while he was in charge as both genius and the stupidest thing in the world depending on the lens in which you threw you do it and how you value certain the high high leverage picks like yep. just it's is a very interesting way i don't know how they managed to come to some conclusions and then also come to other ones with the same management staff but yeah yeah like they identified like tim stutzla and jake sanderson at three and five stutzla is an easy pick well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't easy. I pick. mean, to be fair, our model would have picked him one, and the mark NHL GM or draft market did not do that. Somebody yep. has to be the one to come up and and do yep. it right. I think that's fair. Um, but Sanderson was definitely the way more ballsy of those two picks, and it has yeah. worked out in spades. Like I think it's more than fair to say Stutzla. It looks like the best player of that class, and Sanderson very well could be too. I think they look like one and two, unless I'm missing someone. I'm trying to think off the top of my head either, but I, I don't think I am. Um, but then the, two years later, you go and draft Tyler Boucher at 10th overall. No yeah. one thought that was a good pick. Literally no one thought that was a good pick. No, and it was, I was obviously like, that's the thing. They've made a lot of obviously stupid picks. Like I'm all for yeah, teams have more information than we do, but like, They've done things that looked really stupid and then have just been proven really stupid. Like, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Like, 
I don't know. But then I, yeah, I, Sanderson, like they were smarter than the public at large. They were smarter than the draft models at large on Sanderson. Yep. And that's a millions and millions of dollars in surplus value that decision out of them. And then also it's like really you can't do better than Tyler Boucher at tenth overall. Yeah. And even like taking the Sanderson thing even further, like that contract was pretty memed on when it was signed a couple weeks ago by the general public. You know, I think most stats people kind of said that looks pretty good or whatever, but like generally speaking, people kind of looked at that contract and went, Ooh, I think that was a great contract. I think it's already paying off. But then you also go and give like guys like Travis Hammond at two years at 1.1 Zach McEwen. They gave a three-year deal to now he's in the minor. So who really cares? But it's just something that's so unnecessary. Corpusalo yep. has a five-year deal at age 30. Was he the one who took on the Zaitsev contract? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He took on the Zaitsev contract. In my opinion, one of the best moves Dubas made. <laughs> and if you're on the other end of said move, yeah, that's, that's a tough look. Yeah, it's. I'm just making sure... Uh... And so I'm just making sure he was actually, but I'm like 95% sure. But like the April 10th, 2016, when was Zaitsev traded? Um, but like, regardless, like he, he made the Alex Burrow trades and stuff like that. Like, yeah. He I, I, wild. Yeah. Wild general manager. The, the Brady to Chuck contract was dunked on too, correct? Uh, yeah, yes. It, yeah, it really was. <laughs> And even the Stutzler one was to a lesser degree, but a degree. Yeah. Um, yeah the, yes, Zaitsev was obviously before that. I was thinking of uh, Fanuf trade, which wasn't Dorian. It was oh, just okay. before. Yeah. Dorian was the AGM, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, he like very willingly took Zaitsev. That was way later. It was like 2018, right? Like, um, yeah. Yeah. So again, it's just a lot of swings, a lot of misses. I think he... Has Did put he this and play him on the first pair. Oh god, yeah. The, the rebuilding it, yep. it blew up Leafs face. Yeah. Yep. They they went for a time of Oduya, Hainsey, uh Coburg or Coburn, sorry. Um good Branson. And there was one other guy that was just washed here at the end of his career, but I can't even remember who. Like it was just like a string of horrid defensive defensemen and the defense was always, well, this team's trying to rebuild, so it doesn't matter. But then they go inside Travis Hamanick last year when, or trade for him and re-sign him when they're trying to be good. Yeah, well, and also, like, it's still useful to have good players on your roster signed when rebuilding because you are allowed to trade them. In fact, the entire point of a rebuilding roster is develop the young guys and trade the competent old guys. Yep, absolutely. So... I don't know. I think I will look back at Pierre Dorian's time as a very, very mixed bag. Um, I think... I think, hear me yeah. out on this. If they don't have the depth to get over the hump and they just end up stalling, people are going to look at Dorian as an idiot. But if this core group manages to find competent depth, there's going to be a, well, look at the stars that Dorian drafted and he actually did quite well. Yep. I, I think that's absolutely fair because I was about to say, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of 
he did a good job of getting this team high-end talent. You cannot deny that. Yep. But. Have you ever seen, uh, um, what's his name? Fire Invaders star stuff? Yes. Yeah. So it's like prospect model. He's like, yo, teams with X amount of stars are always good. And he's like, the Senators are coming this year. And it's like, do we do we have to pretend that that there's not a, an obvious, a very obvious reason why the Senators may be bad in spite of these eight different star players? Yeah, like their roster is just so aggressively either really solid to elite players or just not any jellers. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like for for you, you cannot deny that he drafted and gave this team good talent, good young talent to build around. However, he also gutted this team's depth, and they do not have a lot of prospects or assets going forward for how this team is still not a playoff team. So they're, if they can't get over the hump, there is no obvious way out. Yeah, and I mean, the I, the good or bad thing, depending on how you look at it, is th- I really think the reason they're not over the hump right now is their good players aren't playing good enough. So yeah. you can you can look at that two ways. Of one, that should turn around based on everything we know about these players. Or two, if these guys just aren't as good as you think you are, you are absolutely cooked. Yeah, that's the, this could be a non-problem in two weeks, or it could be the entire franchise is fucked. Yeah. Um, but the last point I want to make about Dorian and pushing back on the star talent thing, because he has, and you have to give him some credit for that. This dude had six fucking years to rebuild the roster, man. Six years. How many GMs do you think would take six years to at least get to something competent where you're within eight points of a playoff spot? I think a lot of them could, and I don't think a lot of GMs are particularly that smart. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I should I should rephrase that. I think there are a lot of edges that a lot of GMs leave out when making decision making. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Six years is long enough time that you can get a vision and see it through. Yeah. Like I don't know this off the top of my head, but I would have to imagine the amount of teams that haven't made the playoffs in the last six years is under five. Yeah, like, I don't know it off the top of my head either, but it can't be a long list. Six years ago, the Sharks were yep. in the cup final. The Coyotes made it the one year. The Habs made the finals the one year. Yeah. Uh, it, it Like Buffalo and Ottawa are the only two teams I can think of. Vancouver made it the one year. Philly yep. made it the one year. Columbus, obviously. Like, I just, I, I genuinely don't think there are, I, it might honestly only be Ottawa and Buffalo. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah, it can't be that many. Maybe the Blackhawks—they've got to be getting close to six years too. It was twenty seventeen the year that they got swept? Yes, because that was the year Nashville Nashville went to the finals in twenty seventeen. Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. Aaron was like the only one who scored a point or something. Yeah, um, so twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty. On that Blackhawks team, yeah. So it did six seasons now. That so maybe three teams then, I guess. And then Anaheim would probably be somewhere around there as well. But like my point stands, it's under five. So like it, it you know, it, it's good that obviously they do have players like Jake Sanderson and Tim Stutzla. But also, you've been bad for six years. I would hope you have some players like that. Yeah, if you let again, like 
I, I get I think he deserves a lot of credit, but if you let our draft model um draft for them, they would have more good play like or at least as many good players as they currently do if you let a draft model that I made for free run everything for you, right? Like you're just going to collect talent as long as you don't absolutely throw it away for no reason. And that's the part that frustrates me the most. It's this team has thrown a lot of assets away for no reason over the past four or five years. And I get you can't keep every pick that you make or you you consume or everything like that. But like they would just be throwing second round picks away for bad players in like year two of a rebuild. It's like, what the heck are we doing right now? Like, yeah. And, and they would use the second round picks in such a way people would use their inability to draft as a defense of it. I've seen before. And it's like, no, that's that's worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. If you can't use the 34th overall pick so that you feel you need to trade it away, that has way worse consequences. (laughs) Yeah. That's a problem. Um, I guess the only thing, and we'll let's get off this after because, you know, this is a long, long talk. This is only 30 minutes now. DJ Smith is still not fired, which is absolutely mind boggling to me. Um, I get you don't want to have so, so much turmoil, but like, he sucks, dude. He's so bad. He might be a bottom three coach in the entire league for a team that's actually trying to win. He's a good dude. Players like him. That's great. He does not know how to coach NHL tactics. It's just, it's pain. they're playing dump and chase. That's it, a tough spot with this roster. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten Flat bad in Ottawa. Go on the old dump and chase. The other thing yeah. is, like, they have a, they're a very skill-heavy team. Like, there a lot of the players are like either old or more. Yeah, that that does not sound like a good system for them. Nope, and they can't play the defense in their own end for shit. It's it's embarrassing to watch, to be honest. Like it's disgusting how bad they are. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear more about this, you can go to my other podcast. I talk a little more about Brady Kachuk and Claude Giroux also kind of coming out and not blaming the fans, but kind of blaming the fans for quote unquote turning their back, which is just the most asinine take I've I've heard in a long time. Um, popped off on that for about 10 minutes. So go go listen to that if you want. Uh, let's move on to another topic. But uh, before we do, uh, sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity. We want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sportsbooks accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash MNM, You'll be connected to all the sports books in your region, along with a review of each platform and the unique benefits it brings. All of these sports books have valuable signup offers for new users. And when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer for any book. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand, please consider signing up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com MNM. All right, let's stay in the East because I think this one, weird. it's weird how one game this early in the season can still switch things, eh, Chase? This one could have been a ver- another very spicy discussion if Toronto yeah. would have dropped a game to Tampa the other night. Instead, they storm back from 4-1 down for the second time this season against Tampa and win the game 6-5 in overtime. Uh, the Leafs are now 4-4-2 and two in the last 10, 6-4-2 on the season, 14 points in 12 games, which puts them fourth in the standings and just one point behind the Detroit Red Wings. Um, this is, 
this is the funny one because this is, you know, as, as much as Leafs fans are definitely tortured by their franchise, to me, the difference between where Toronto is and Ottawa is right now is so evident about this. Toronto fans have been acting as if what's happening in Toronto is, is what actually happened in Ottawa for about a week and a half now. Toronto yeah. is six full points ahead of Ottawa in the standings. Yeah, and like throughout the entire time, Toronto's depth has looked awful. And all of their new additions pretty much collectively have looked awful. And they have had an awful starting goalie who they just signed for $3.35 million. But Toronto has the best hockey player on earth right now. And that could solve a lot of your problems. Yeah. I mean, as long as you can stay afloat, like, like I think Klingberg sucks, but like, and like that signing's probably not going to look good. And like a lot of the signings probably won't look quite as good as some of the people thought they were, but also I don't think Toronto is going to look incompetent outside of Matthews and Nylander, Marner and Wolf for forever. Yeah. So, and I, the the re- reason the reaction is the same is because one of these teams has aspirations to be a Stanley Cup winner, and the other team would be happy if they made the eighth seed in the East for the playoffs this year. Um, so that's the difference, right? Like if Ottawa's in the situation, they'd be pumped, whereas Toronto rightfully should be disappointed. I think there are definitely ob- some obvious flaws with this roster. However, as you already kind of mentioned, I think they're getting over over not examined maybe or exaggerated right now because they, they have been bad. Like Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi have been freaking off start this year, but I don't I really think Klingberg's <laughs> separate discussion. I want to get into after, but I don't think Bertuzzi and Domi are going to stay this bad, you know, oh, like and Domi looked good at center the other night. I think he's going to probably stick there. And like, Bertuzzi's the one signing that everyone was like, this is good. So, like, I doubt that's going to blow up in their face. The Reeves is a bit of a different discussion. But, yeah, like, they're, they'll they'll turn the corner a little bit at least. Yeah, and, like, Matthew Nyes is now up on that first line. He looked really good in his first game up there the other night. So, it'll be interesting to watch him tonight, too. Um, yeah, Ryan Reed, like, I do really want to get in this topic, and I almost don't because there's just not much more to be said. I feel like... It doesn't matter what's like if you're on either side of the reef signing, you're probably not changing your mind. Yeah, it's all, like it's also just not a debate. Like it's gone. Yep. Ex- like I'm not going to be on the other side of it. If you, we're both going to be on the same side, and it's gone the exact way people on our side said it was going to go. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, there's just nothing left to debate. You're trying too hard. It's very obvious what is going on here. Yep. Exactly. Like when you're saying. All year, oh, you can't measure intangible. Like the, when they started four and one or whatever, every radio show was just like, oh yeah, like you can't measure the intangibles with your stats, you nerds. You don't know what he brings. And then they lose two games in a row. It's like, well, this fourth line can't do anything. But also, you yeah. can't blame Ryan Reeves for that. It's like, what? What are we yeah. talking about? Especially when the, the whole reason they've been good is that Austin Matthews has been the best player on earth. Which we've known that when he has the potential to be the best player on earth when he's healthy. So like, I don't think Ryan Reeves gets credit for that. Obviously it's would be stupid to say that he does, but like Matthews has been an MVP caliber player in McDavid's prime before. And then Nylander went nuclear. 
like it's not like these guys just broke out. We know who Matthews and Nylander are. We know they're capable of carrying a team even when it's struggling. Like there was nothing new there. Nothing new needed to be analyzed that had anything to do with who was on the fourth line when they were doing this. Yeah, exactly. I'll give Jack Hughes some love for best player on earth right now. Too. I mean, he's hurt, which is unfortunate, but, and his brother Quinn Hughes has been amazing yeah, as Quinn's well this year. Both been nuts. Um, but yeah, like your, your point absolutely stands. Like awesome. Matthews is playing absolutely out of his mind. Same with Nylander's look amazing. And even Marner, who everyone seems to be disappointed by is well over a point per game. If I'm not mistaken, like, I think he's got like what 13 and 10 or something like that now. Probably maybe. Cause I think, I think he had at least three. 12. Yeah, like, and as of two games ago, everyone's like, man, this is the worst I've ever seen Mitch Marner play. And and I don't know, I haven't watched every game, but it's it's just funny to hear that, right? But yeah, I don't, like, I just, I've heard the take a couple times of like, oh yeah, Ryan Reeves is like the worst player on the ice in the NHL, but you knew that signing him, so you can't blame him for the fourth line struggles. It's like, those two things directly contradict each other, especially if you're expecting like Callie Yarncroke and Noah Gregor to be picking up that slack. And then, I don't know, on on the blue line, John Klingberg, that is a mess of a signing. Klingberg looks like a disaster. Like, and I'm going to use the the golden rule that I will cite and I think I've brought up last week and I will continue to bring up. You only use early season statistics if they align with your priors. <laughs> Klingberg has like, again, historically bad defensive numbers and of course he does. It looks obvious to me that he is who we thought he was. Yep, absolutely. And like the thing is, and some people, I think, fair credit to them, predicted that this could happen. Of And the criticism of the Klingberg contract was, yeah, you know he's going to be bad defensively. I think both of our take was kind of, this has the potential to be bad, but also they need more offense. So maybe just leaning into all offense isn't a bad thing. He's not really providing anything offensively, though. Like, Well, that's the thing. Like, We got what they were trying to do. They were leaning into they could fix the defensive results, and they needed help offensively. But they've gotten neither from the new additions. Yeah, exactly. And I get like just it, it's just annoying because so like stupid narratives just keep coming into play. It's like, oh well, see, you can't win just paying all those guys all that money. It's like, shut up, man. You can't win if you're paying a literal non-NHL defenseman four point one five million dollars. Yeah, I I hate when people you can't win with X. Yes, you can. You can win with literally anything. You're telling me, go look at the St. Louis Blues roster that won the Stanley Cup and tell me it's better than this one. Look at the Washington Capitals roster that won the Cup and then remember you're talking about 35-year-old Ovechkin and not 24-year-old Ovechkin and tell me it's better than this one. Like, You can win the Cup all sorts of different ways. And just because it hasn't happened in recent memory does not mean it's impossible. I hate those so badly. Yeah, especially when it's just like an arbitrary X amount of dollars. It's like, well, the cap has been going, and obviously it hasn't gone up as much as people thought, and that's been part of the struggle for Toronto. But like, again, Malkin signed the equivalent in percentage of a deal way back in 2007 or whatever that was. Yeah, he signed like the the Matthews number. Yeah. Just way back when. Inflation, people can't adjust for on the first 
choose not to adjust for on the fly for some reason. Like I, even though the caps doubled. Yep. Um, I, I, it's again, it, it's funny how different this conversation could have been if they are sitting here at five, five and two, instead of six, four and two, um, yep. that one game. Makes it, yep. So I've been messing around with the prospect model. And I don't know if this is a useful thought or if I'm just way overthinking this. But in prospect models are like a whole bunch of different things. They're called unbalanced. So like you have 5,000 prospects a year and only like 20 of them end up mattering, right? Or mm-hmm. 30 or however many in the NHL. Not that many in a given draft class. And if you apply a machine learning model to it, a problem is the models overlearn how to say no in when given information that overwhelmingly leads no. So like it can if you don't if you're not careful in the way you train a machine learning model to predict prospects, it will overlearn to say no that this prospect won't make it because it's recognized something important um, that most prospects don't make it. I feel like that happens with like how to win a Stanley Cup is that the population as a whole way overlearns how to say no because only one team a year does it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, would you like a team like San Jose that was unreal for 10 years straight, but never could win the cup? I'm sure there are some people who'd be like, no, they built the team the wrong way. Yeah, oh, there would be people who would unironically tell you that because they didn't win the cup. Yep, but like, it's just not true. Same, even like the Anaheim, like obviously they won in 07, but like Anaheim from like, oh, nine like 2010 ish to like 2015 probably like they were a very solid team every year but they never won the cup did they do like just a horrible job of building the team no how many cups does bergeron have uh one one on a team that was icing its eighth ninth tenth eleventh twelfth thirteenth and fourteenth defensemen in game seven imagine if they're icing one through six patrice bergeron doesn't have a cup they don't know how to win like, yep, that's all it takes. The yeah. Canucks have four competent defensemen instead of playing their entire AHL roster, and suddenly they don't have a cup. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I so I agree. That stuff. Yeah, I don't think we uh, <laughs> we need to stick on this one too much longer. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They're playing this game's about to start in twenty minutes. I'm gonna hopefully have this podcast out halfway through the game, so I'm sure people will be. Either one side or both will absolutely be losing their minds depending on how this game goes tonight. Uh, and both. We, yeah, exactly. If the Leafs only win by one goal or something, it'll be a meltdown. And obviously, if either team loses, they will be melting down. So, um, yeah, let, let's move on to the Western Conference. But uh, quickly before we do, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is perfect for daily nutrition nutrition and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs, the nutrients your body needs each day and the foundation of long-term gut health. Together, they, the, they fuel whole body health, impacting everything from sleep, digestion, energy, mood, immunity, to the health of your hair, skin, and nails. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. Wow, that was a mouthful for me for some reason. Let's move on to the West. Um, again, I don't think we need to talk about Winnipeg. They're doing their thing. They're 6-4-2. and two. Just zero goal differential. That seems about right for them, much like Montreal. The 
Calgary Flames is the first team I want to talk about because I think this is the less impactful of the two. They are up to four, seven and one after a W two right now. Um, they're, you know, they were two, seven and one at one point looking really, really bad. They're still obviously not looking good. Uh, Jonathan Huberto was benched last for the entire third period last night, uh, in a game that came back and won and basically coming out, Ryan Husko went, well, we need our best guys. And he wasn't our best guy. Huberto was asked about it and he went, yeah, you got to look in the mirror. So he is taking full credit. He is a mess right now. The, I, I had to include them because of where they are, but like, I just don't know what else there is to say about Calgary at this point. Yeah, I expected the bounce back, obviously, but I mean, they're not even like a play driving team anymore like they were last year. They they might just be cooked. Yeah, I think it's as simple as that, really. And they're like starting to bring it going on. We're going to be approaching 100 games of it. Mm hmm. And. They're starting to bring up some youth, which hopefully at least makes their team a little more exciting or whatever. But yeah, like I don't know. We we kind of talked about this last week, where it was just like, yeah, they might just actually be bad, and we were wrong on them. Yeah, yeah, like we just bet on a bounce back that isn't there, I guess. Yeah, maybe which, the pieces just don't work together. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, something I feel like not a lot of people are talking about either with this team and especially this core. This core isn't young. This isn't. Yeah, I was going to bring up the age thing too. I agree yep. with that. This isn't the Toronto Maple Leafs suddenly falling off a cliff. This isn't even the Ottawa Senators falling off a cliff. Like Jonathan Huberdeau's 30, Nazem Kadri's 33, even Apani's 27, Backlund's 34, Blake Coleman's 31, Elias Lindholm's 28, uh, Mackenzie Wieger's 29, Noah Hannafin's only 26, but he's like their youngest defenseman. Because you have Rasmus Anderson, 27, Chris Tanev, 33. Like, again, I, it's to me, it is a little strange that all of them would fall off a cliff quite like this. So I think it is more probably some of the pieces don't work, as you mentioned. But part of it has to be as well, simply that it just is not a good enough. Like, some of it is probably just these guys are not as good as they were four years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And. Like maybe, you know, there's a bunch of things that are correlated with all of them. Maybe it's the the system doesn't work for like an, an older group or something. Something that worked for Hubert O when he was 26 is less likely now to at 30. I don't know. But yeah, every game that passes, it sure looks more and more like they're just cooked. Yep. Um, Hubert O is still the most shocking one to me, man. I like I just can't believe point total decline in the history of the league. Yeah. And he followed that up being like, nah, this is legit. And it's not like he got hurt or anything. Yeah. Like and it's not like like he was in a good spot in Florida, but it's not like he was playing with players who hasn't haven't been successful elsewhere in Carolina. Like this isn't a guy who left Sidney Crosby's wing to go play on the modern day San Jose Sharks. No, yeah, like he, he went to a team that everyone thought should be still pretty solid in, in Calgary. Yeah, and like we were lower on him than most people were and i think we've been proven right but also we wouldn't have gone this far or even close to it absolutely not we were both saying coming out of it and i remember our rankings for the wingers that year we were both saying look he's clearly not a true 115 point player but he's probably a 90 95 point player yep and yep. he's like a 
50 point player, 40 point player. Yeah. It, it's just crazy. Two-way play. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just he's a completely different person. And again, like, part of me thinks it's a little lazy to just be like, well, he got paid, so he doesn't care anymore. Like, I just, if you watch him on the bench last night, that doesn't look like a dude who doesn't care. You know, like, he looked like he was about to cry at times. Yeah, and, I. that's a pretty tough argument to accept. Like, how many people are willing to, like, publicly sit there and suck no kidding especially when the, the half the reason they got to the nhl is because they're disgustingly competitive and, and yeah. like i mean that as like a compliment but like you almost never get to the nhl because you don't care and also it's a they're so competitive it's only a compliment because they got to the nhl if somebody was as competitive <laughs> as the 20th percentile nhl player at like you know so the gas station <laughs> that would be a horrific person to work with <laughs> yep exactly like, um but yeah like the whole team just looks at five on five goal total totals right now he's minus five cadre's minus five dubay's minus six you know like it's just the whole team is just getting outscored and again like i, I haven't checked marks from stats in the past week but like he hasn't been horrible yeah they were all right last i looked as well yep so, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I just, I don't know what the, like, to me, it, I still feel like there should be some kind of fix, but maybe there just isn't. Yeah, like, you, do you fire the coach? Well, they just hired him, though. You, like, yeah, you can't. It's like, you can't do that, but. And and so that was the thing, too, is Zadorov had a pretty good quote of, like, well, everyone whined and bitched and blamed on Daryl Sutter last year. He's not here to quote unquote like bully us or whatever. And that wasn't exactly the quote, but like he's not here to be the, the hard one and we the still suck. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think we need to touch on Calgary two more just yet, but one team we absolutely need to touch on before we <laughs> head out tonight is the Edmonton Oilers sitting at two, eight, and one on an L3. The only team worse than them is the San Jose Sharks in the terms of points. And if the San Jose Sharks beat Edmonton on Thursday night. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I will... want this to happen so badly. <laughs> I have never wanted something to happen more in my life that does not involve either team that I care about. Yeah. I never. Yeah. 100%. You want, firing... no, exactly. you want to talk about firing? Exactly. You want to talk about firing a coach? Jay Woodcroft is done if they lose this game. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It would be the most embarrassing loss I can name. Because even like embarrassing playoff blowups, like say like the Leafs blowing to Boston in Game Seven, like. You're losing to a playoff. Like, you're losing to a good team. Yeah. It's like, hard for a playoff loss to be as embarrassing as this because you're not losing to what might be the worst team in the history of the sport. Yep. I I, I can't. I really hate to do this to you, but there's one worse. The Montreal one? No, it's the losing to a Zamboni driver. Oh, yeah. That one was pretty bad. <laughs> that's definitely yeah, worse. That's, At yeah, least... that's, that's... That's probably the worst. You are not. Yes. Wrong. At least these guys are 
technically NHL players. The fact that he was their own plot. (laughs) So much. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like this is the most embarrassing loss we have seen in a long time, if 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 it happens. Um but even aside from like they are just you want to talk about another team that just looks bad. They do. I watched I forget who they watched McDavid play a couple times. He does not look like himself. No. No, he Now, I have to bring up one point that I found a little amusing. Everybody's like, sure, McDavid's not playing good, but what's happened to the rest of them? It's like, (laughs) I'm going to let you on a little secret (laughs) about the rest of them. People are like, well, Nugent Hopkins, what happened to him? It's like, hmm, I wonder. I, that that doesn't that make you think what happened to Ryan Nugent Hopkins that when Connor McDavid stops being the best player on earth he magically struggles? Doesn't that make you think a little bit? Yep. Um, like, and- come on, there's a very obvious answer there, people. I saw it a couple times on Twitter. Yeah. And I do think if I'm gonna like be in defense of this team, like they're second in Corsi four in the league. Oh, they're they will be fine. Yeah, sure. they're not this bad. But I also, would bet them to make the playoffs still. I would agree. I think they should. Like, it's way close. Oh, it's 50 50. Yeah, it'd be like even money or whatever, but still, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, the division is absolutely gone and dusted. They're 18 point, points behind Vegas in 11 games. Yeah. The. This is probably a good one. Who finishes higher, the Canucks or the Oilers? Oh, that's a good question. 14 points back. Probably the Canucks. I think it has to be just because like they built themselves such a buffer. But it's funny because the Canucks are the exact opposite where I genuinely don't think this team is very good. Yeah, they're now, not. They have... Horrific. They're getting no. very low. They have unreal players. I like. I think that's more than fair to say, right? Like Patterson looks great. Hughes yep. looks amazing. Demko looks godly. Like he's got like a nine fifty something right now. Yeah, which those are three fairly important positions to have. Yeah. Set. But like you're rocking a one hundred eight point eight PDO right now. Yeah, it's going to two. <laughs> really good is considered like one of three ish. 104? Yeah. Even like 101 and a half on a full season is like fantastic. Yeah. So I don't like this team. I think it, like Vancouver, and we'll get back to Edmonton in a second, but I do want to give Vancouver a little bit of props because they are in like they got to be like 75% plus to make the playoffs now just because of this cushion. But also, as you mentioned, like I don't see this team as a team that's going to do much damage in the playoffs, but they're a middle of the pack possession team so far. And when you have star talent, which is if that's what, you know, Hughes, Pedersen and Demko are, you're going to be a good team. Maybe not an elite one, but a good team. Well, that's the thing too. Inverse of Calgary, basically like, are they this good? No, obviously not. But we've seen Pedersen flash being one of the best players in the world. Um, Hughes has seemed capable of it. Uh, Demko has seemed capable of it and flashed it like every day, like every day they continue to do it as kind of another in their cap that like, 
you know, we don't need to think that this is their true talent, but we should be slowly updating how good we think Canucks are. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. Um, plus 24 or plus 30 goal differential already this year, which is pretty absurd. That is the best in the West. I say, I don't know. I was just going to check Boston. Yeah, Boston's only plus 16. So personally, by a lot. Um, Now, I think they've hung a couple on Edmonton a few times, but which probably explains some of Edmonton's minus 18. Um, Regardless, back to Edmonton. Like, again, going forward, I just, they can't be this bad. But I also, part of me wonders, did McDavid get rushed back? I that's all I could think of when I was watching him play. Because even if he's 75%, he's still a top 20 player in the league, but that does nothing for the Edmonton Oilers because they they have done and again, like I think it is fair to say, wow, some of this team is really underperforming. Because even we thought this was the best surrounding cast he's had in a while. But if Connor McDavid isn't at a hundred percent, this Edmonton Oilers team goes from Stanley Cup favorite to a bubble team. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the main appeal was still that they have the guy who scores up 150 points every time he plays a full season. Yep. And again, like I, I would still bet money on the Edmonton Oilers making the playoffs. And I'm just going to go on to bet stamp real quick because I want to see if I can find, if I can actually find markets for this. Uh, Let's see. What line wouldn't you take it? If they're um, like 75% plus or whatever, like I'm not taking that, but yeah. Um, I think at 50, 50, I would still lean Edmonton. In terms of like leaning in them to make it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think it's gotta be like 55, 45 right now. I think that they should Something make like it. That. Yeah, I'm um, worried that we're gonna look in the odds. We're gonna be like, yeah, they have like a twelve percent chance to make it. You guys are probably idiots. Yeah, I can't find it on uh, that stamp on on the fly here, but I'm I'm just gonna look up NHL. Let's go to Money Puck. Let's just see what Money Puck gives them. Uh, to make playoffs, the Edmonton Oilers are sitting at fifty five point five percent. Okay, so we pretty much nailed that. Yep. Um. I'm going to see maybe quickly if Dom has something up as well that I can view. Um, but yeah, like th- that's the point. It's like, but again, the the biggest problem is it's just like, it's showing the obvious flaws on this team and some of the stuff that really has bit them in the ass. Like obviously the McDavid not being the best player in the world is hurt, but also Jack Campbell was so bad that they had to wave him. Yeah. Dom has he, 55 as well. So we kind of, okay. we've nailed that. Jeez. Look at us with our puck knowledge. That's distressingly good. <laughs> um, but like, if you can't get a save, it doesn't matter. And and this team, like, again, I, I want to watch them a little more. Uh, I hopefully can over the next week or two. But I like, I if you told me they're not good in their own end, that wouldn't surprise me even a little bit. Yeah, not at all. I saw, I know he's having a breakout year. I saw like Bouchard get absolutely toasted online last night. Like, Bands are really fed up with him. Are they? Yes. Scoring a ton. Yeah, I saw... I mean, I I shouldn't say... Fans is maybe a little bit of an overreaction. I saw, like, the classic Ford reply guys to a tweet of... 
I think it was Huberto getting benched. I saw two people being like, wish Woodcroft had the balls to do that with Bouchard. I was like, whoa. That's pretty impressive. But yeah, also they waved their goalie. <laughs> yeah, like, and the funny is they wave him after a game he didn't even play. That is hilarious. <laughs> like, and it's not like uh it, it's not like uh, Skinner looked good in that game. He gave like five goals on twenty-five shots or something stupid like that. Like, yeah. you're like, like, oh, like you're playing like fantasy football and you just drop a guy because you're mad. You're like, I yep. don't want this guy on my bench anymore. Like, yeah, go away, Jack. <laughs> I'm just annoyed. I can't take it out on one of my good players. So it's going on you. <laughs> oh God. So this is why I I try. You know, as much as this might surprise people, I do try not to just talk out of my ass when we're doing this podcast. The Edmonton Oilers are third, let up the third least amount of Corsi against per 60. And they are dead even in expected goals against per 60. Like 15th. Like league I mean, average. Yeah. League average. Yeah, yeah. 15th. Sorry, not dead even. Huh. At five on five, obviously. So like, yeah, <laughs> it's not like they're just getting caved in defensively either. Yeah, it even strength. They're better than the Leafs, better than the Senators, right there with the Flames, and right there with the Canucks. Yep. So the Canucks. I mean, I just kind of keep going. It has to turn around. Yeah, they're second like it, expected goals for per hour. Yeah, they feel like too talented of a team to not. But again, like as of the other night, Zach Hyman was their leading goal scorer. Yeah. With well, the four. problem is. Like, their risks are correlated, right? Like, if McDavid is the 65th best player in the world the rest of the way, they're not sniffing the playoffs, I don't think. No, 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 not even close. <laughs> like, if McDavid is as good as injured Matthews was last year, so like the ninth best player in the world or the 12th or whatever in that range, they're not making the playoffs, right? No, unless Dryside will just start shooting at 20%. Yeah. Like it's the risks are so concentrated on him, assuming the goaltending doesn't end with like an 8.8. Yes. Well, and that's they might. Like they just, they call it Calvin Pickard to give their team a a reboot. Calvin Pickard. I have not heard that name since the Leafs expansion draft in terms of being (laughs) a starting goalie. Yep. I genuinely didn't know he was still in the league. And now I'm just making sure it actually is him. I'm 90% sure I heard that's who it was. It's him. It's him. I'm on the cap friendly right now. You're right. (laughs) I had to click and make sure it's the Calvin Pickard that I was thinking of. It's the one that played for the Leafs, too. Yep. And like that just tells you exactly how things are are going for this team. So I don't know. Let's see how it is in the week. People say they feel bad for them. I find it hilarious. This, I, I can't feel bad for a team that wasted five years of Connor McDavid's career being dumbasses. Yeah. I, Edmonton's the last team. Like, I, yeah, not going to feel bad for him. I want no. to revise that they're the last team, but I will not feel bad for Edmonton either. Yes, exactly. Um, only other thing I really just want to mention quick because I think we were actually ahead of the band last uh, last week on this. God, these San Jose Sharks are 
awful. They're treat. I I'm sure the stats out there somewhere. When was the last time a team gave up a ten spot in back to back games? I don't think it's ever happened. Like that, if you don't, like, I would believe sure that. It is the first I think I saw it. I was, was about to say the only ever. it must have been like the forties or something like that. If it did, where they some yeah. poor team just had to play like Montreal twice in a row. Some team had all their stars fighting in World War Two, and some team didn't, <laughs> yeah. so they left yeah. ten goals on a back to back or something. Yeah, like, like that's the level of absurdity that it would take. They are minus forty two in twelve games. Both of their starting goalies have a better save percentage than Stuart Skinner. Yes, that's the hilarious part. They're averaging, I think, like 39 shots against a game or something. That's crazy. Like, how mental is that? These guys are tanking, right? They're not oh my. fucking around. <laughs> this is, and it's funny too, because you're already starting to hear the people going like, this is too much tanking or whatever. It's like, well, I don't know. I, I don't think they they're related sh- to choice. No, they really don't. Well, and that, and that's kind of the thing, right? Is yeah, they didn't put a great roster on the ice, but like, what else could they like? Keeping Eric Carlson so you can yeah, be five help. points better is not smart. Like, maybe they shouldn't should have seen to wait to trade Burns a year early, but like then he's still gone from this team. It just means you traded him last year. Like, none of the individual moves are problematic. I don't. No, yeah. they've like won every trade, but like they've shed in skill, and that is what they should have been doing. Yep. And even more so, Mike Greer, who's the general manager, I don't think was the general manager for the Burns trade, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he was either. Well, I... like, if anything, like we were like, I guess it's not the end of the world, but why are you signing Thomas Hurdle? Like, if well, anything, and that's. Like, maybe you've kept too much of this around, right? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say, is if you want to play... And again, I don't think that was Greer either. I think he took over after that. Yeah, um, but, yes, he definitely did, yeah. he His first signing was August 29th, 2022. I think the hurdle one was a year... The the literally season of. Um, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, like, that's the thing. So, it's... I think there are a ton of moves that were really stupid beforehand... But uh, in terms of the team, like the management team now being Mike Greer, the main guy, I'm just going to read off some of his trades here. He's made so many. I had to open up a new page on Cap Friendly. A lot of them are just like draft pick trades. Like he, he traded down. His first trade was trading down from 11th overall to get 27, 34, 45. Love that. Um, he then picks up Luke, uh, Luke Kunin for a third round pick. A little weird, but whatever. Couple draft pick trades, couple draft pick trades. Uh, the Brent Burns trade is his first, like, really, really big one. Uh, where again, yeah, you, so he did make the Brent Burns trade, I guess. Um, yeah, you could argue maybe you should have kept that a little longer, but yeah, but he still wouldn't be on the roster this year. No, and both of us were like, like I remember you thought Brent Burns was cooked when that deal I happened. I needed Brent Burns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I didn't think it was a smart deal, but I thought I could see how it could work. And, you know, it's been good. Like, I mean, very good, I would say, for Carolina. Quite well, but, yeah. He could have won yeah. it. Couldn't have won it, but he could have got Norris votes last year, I think. Yep. But, again, then he just kind of tweaks the roster, gives up Aiden Hill, ironically, to Vegas for a fourth-round pick. Um, some depth trades, like trades Matt Nieto for just a couple depth players. 
gets a pick for J- Jacob Magna. Uh, and then you get the Timo Meyer trade last year. So like, yeah, which, that's, which was a decent trade for them. Like they, they got assets. Yeah, I don't remember like exactly what they got back, and if I agree with it, but like, what, you don't want Timo Meyer on this roster. You'd rather the assets. You exactly. don't want to sign him eight by eight. Yep, they got a first round pick, which ended up being twenty sixth overall. A second round pick in twenty twenty four, a seventh in twenty twenty four. Shakir uh, Mukmadulin, uh, Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterlin, and Nikita Otiuk. I think. Um, so like, again, like it wasn't the best, but yeah, that's, that's fine. And then the Carlson trade is the next big move. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. It, it, in between there. Uh, yeah, it is. Never mind. That, that look, there's a big old trade on cap friendly, but it's literally Nick Benino. And then just a bunch oh, of salary yeah. retention. <laughs> oh yeah. Like not, none of the individual moves are problematic. And again, if I'd probably go the other way, like I don't want Eklund on this roster. If I'm them, I don't think no i i wouldn't either um also fun fact about the bonino trade the reason i thought it was the carlson one the three teams involved montreal pittsburgh san jose hmm. montreal eight cap in two trades it turns out between those two teams um yeah like i i completely agree of like and and that maybe is the one thing where it's like yeah if you're so bad you can't bring up your top prospect because you're worried you're gonna absolutely ruin him that <laughs> <laughs> might not be a great sign but like, again, I just don't know what option they have. Like, I, I really yeah, don't do think do? there's too much. And also, are you going to give up assets to try to lose? They have two million dollars in cap space. Like, there aren't that many options. No, exactly. And like, this team probably does look at least marginally better with a guy like Logan Couture and even Alex uh, Barbanov on the team, who had 47 points in 68 games last year. And for what it's worth, they will look better. Yes, yeah, they're not. Yeah, but they are really bad. Like all their underlying numbers are horrid as well. Yeah, they're so, the worst team in this year's league. They if going to be if I don't know. We'll see if they continue putting up like uh, underlying numbers like they do. They will be pushing like the Colorados, the Buffaloes, and the Detroits that we know of the cap era for worst team, but. Yeah, I guess they have a 38% XG. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, but. I don't think I've seen a number under a three since that Avs team. Where that starts with three. Yeah. So Their shooting's percentage starts with two right now. Well, and and so but that will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's obviously going to bounce back. You know, like, they're not going to keep scoring on average one goal a game or whatever. Like, yeah. So. Their PDO right now is, like, 92 and a half. <laughs> yeah. That evens. Yeah, they're bad, but they're not going to be that bad. So yeah, it's basically uh, impossible. To be that yeah, bad. exactly. All right, I think that's a good place to wrap. I think it's about an hour fifteen, and uh, definitely hit on a lot of lot of topics. So be interested. Keep watch on the Canadian markets because I'm sure they will be loud as always. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Send and Stuff Chase on Twitter at CM Hockey 66. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at MM Hockey Pod. Uh, we are posting daily parlays on there as well as um anything else relevant to what we're talking about, we're gonna try and post there. So whether that's graphs, whether that's just you know discussion points, things that we see, um it, you can find it there. So definitely give the podcast a follow on Twitter. Uh, you can find all of Chase's work at EliteProspects.com and my stuff at lastwordmarkey.com. 
Thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you all next week.